The Moon Ultra Parking is being recruited. Hello and welcome to the China Podcast. I'm back. It's me, Eric, behind the mic with Owen today. Just the two of us. Building castles in the sky. Oh, Bill Withers. Great voice, great voice. You know, I really love, Owen, what you've done with this room. Uh, You've turned it into a studio. And that's a great looking mirror you've got opposite us on the wall. Yeah, Han found that uh, line on the street out there. It was ready to be thrown out by somebody. Like a garage sale, as yeah. they'd say in America. Yeah, except it didn't. It was just lying on the side of the road. It didn't cost a penny. Yeah, you know, I, I don't mind the idea of recycling unwanted stuff. You do see it from time to time here in China when mm. people leave their old furniture and whatever else like outside in the compound or by the basement bins. Yeah, I don't think there's. I don't think they have uh, much choice in the matter because, like. You rarely see second-hand stores or charity shops in China. Yeah, very, very seldomly. Uh, like, I've come across one or two antique places in the past, but they don't really specialize in that kind of thing. Um, but anyway, yeah, fair play on that find. Uh, we haven't described, like, what we're looking at yet, but basically this mirror is centered around this golden sun, and it looks kind of Greek, to be honest yeah, with you. There's a there's a definite mystique to it. Yeah, a nice one, Han, on that find. Um, and a great podcast, too, with the, the two of you a few weeks back. Um, well, last, no, December. It was December, yeah, yeah. middle of December. Um, if you haven't already checked out that episode, by the way, please do. It's called White Noise. I'm looking forward to the next one with her. Yeah, we just need to get a, a four-way audio interface for that to happen. But the third microphone arrived, so that's half the battle. Um but yeah, it sounded great, and it was a joy to edit for that reason alone. Well, the the warmer ambience in this room makes that possible. Yeah, it's good. Uh, I'm glad we have this space now. It feels less temporary. Which is important when you're trying to grow podcasts. On that, I know we were inactive for, what, four months, five months? But in that time, we did get listens. We got new followers across most of podcast platforms, so... It was nice to see that we remained relevant. Yeah, um, and we finally got that one listen from Trinidad and Tobago. As well as covering the length of southeastern Africa. Yeah, um, it's it's great encouragement. And, you know, we've, we've been listening to now in 81 countries. Well, let's proceed with a bit of caution because, you know, some of those places are disputed territories. So mm. as not to make enemies, we're going to say countries slash locations yeah because um the official number of countries in the world is not recognized by everyone and that's how we like it and sure what's humanity without conflict a peaceful place it was great to get a a couple of interviews uh there as well so a big thanks to mick and cameron for for their contributions yeah that was a good chat and cameron has obviously been around the game for, for football for a long long time so it's always better, you know, in that instance, to talk to someone in the know. Yeah, 17 years is a is a long time. Um, the football landscape is forever changing in China. With ever-changing football teams. Yeah. Um, it is a real shame about Chongqing Lifan, because uh, that's a beautiful stadium that they've uh, built on the edge of Longxing there. Yeah, I Chongqing, um, that's local News, media, expat yeah, news, expat news um, yeah. media uh, source. They did a 
very good feature on it a month or so ago. Um, yeah, that stadium, it'll definitely be worth checking out once it's open to the public. Yeah, for whatever sporting occasion that is. Hurling, maybe. Yeah. We didn't uh, get to touch on women's football in China during the interview, um, but it has been announced that Ireland will play China in a pre-World Cup friendly game, um, which is later this month, and that should be cool. Their first ever meeting, I think. It is. Um, I'd say the women's football team would beat the men's at the current rate. It would be a close game, that's for sure. Uh, China's women's national team, they have a pretty decent record at World Cups. Yeah, they're always there, thereabouts. Um, they haven't won it yet, but they, they're not far off. Well, at least they qualify, which is something. Yeah, it does help. Um, right, on to today's podcast, which is an optimistic one. Uh, China is open for business again. Public confidence is growing and domestic travel is back with a bang. At long, long last. So, yeah, we're going to talk about that and reflect on the Chinese New Year as well, which finished up last week. Um, have you noticed how the masked are becoming the maskless? Slowly but surely, yeah. Um, it was very noticeable last weekend, especially the the number of people not wearing masks inside shopping centres and other indoor venues, um, as well as those walking about on the street. Uh, yeah, the fear is beginning to wane. And, you know, it was a traumatic time for many. And I think the general consensus is to swiftly move on from three trying years, which is what we're seeing right now. And yeah, it's great to see that, that vibe return again. Yeah, I said to you before one day, and I'll say it to you now again, I think that the last holdout for mask wearing will be the subway. It's already happening. Yeah, the, the mandate to wear masks at all times on board the trains. But all it takes is a few heads to pull the mask down around their chin or remove them completely. And, and that's going to have a domino effect in train carriages right across the country. Yeah, anything is possible in China. Um, I've been in taxis recently where the driver has said, look, you don't have to wear your mask. Yeah, cause, well, that's funny because I've seen that taxi drivers are smoking has become all the rage again. Oh, that's a sure sign the pre-COVID China is back. You know, at the comedy the other night, there was that one guy, a foreign chap who was wearing the N95 mask. Yeah. He was the only person in the whole bar and he looked so out of place. It kind of reminded me of when I was back home in Ireland last summer and... I'd mask up going into a supermarket or wherever. And yeah, very few people were doing the same. And then you talk about it to someone and they just you know brush it off entirely and say something like, Ashra, I've had COVID twice already and it was nothing, you know, just like the flu. Of course, that's not the same for everyone. Yeah. But, but the attitude towards the big C, let's call it the big C from now on, has come full circle to China. Yeah, don't mention the C word. I know that chap wearing the mask. I used to play Dungeons and Dragons with him. He's a he's a very nice bloke. Um, someone actually pointed it out to him, and sure enough, he he took it up. He took it off uh, a little while later, and um, by the end of the night, he was up on stage singing and jamming with the band. It was a great night of comedy and a very nice venue too. Um, somewhere new to go and have a cocktail, eh? Yeah, um, managed by the same couple who own Dungeon, uh, which has hosted, hosted many an uh, open mic night. The big thing for me, having not been to a stand-up gig here in quite a while, is how the local comedy circuit has grown with a wonderful, eclectic, 
group of people involved. Yeah. For for those of you new to the podcast, Chongqing has had a comedy club, which I'm a, kind of a regular feature of. Uh, we did a, a two-parter on comedy in China last year on this podcast. If you want to check it out, uh, it's there. You can learn some more. Um, but you are you are right, Eric. It, it is evolving all the time, and we have people from all walks of life. And we often get someone new willing to try their look and want to try spoken word for the first time. Um, you could give it a go yourself. I have short-term memory loss. I'd forget my lines. Oh, yeah? Kind of makes you wonder why you're doing a podcast. Exactly. Anyway, what were we talking about again? Speedos. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, I prefer the red ones. Red signals good luck for the new year. Yeah, Speedos in the year of our rabbit. 2023. Have you ever collected stamps? My brother did. My brother did. had a big, big book with stamps in it. And uh, yeah, and uh, my mother collected coins. And I suppose like if I saw a good stamp or a good coin, I'd probably keep it and bring it back to them. I once bought some commemoration stamps uh, that had the famous Che Guevara image on them. Oh, the the Jim Fitzpatrick one. Yeah, the very one. Yeah. Um, but anyway, before every spring festival in China, stamps bearing the image of that year's zodiac are issued by China Post to the public to buy. Um, it was the rabbit's turn this time around. And as is so often the case, all the stamps sold out in no time. But it was the actual drawing of the rabbit itself that divided opinion because, you know, it's not quite <laughs> the cute looking bunny rabbit that you might have in mind. Yeah, uh, it had this evil look in its eyes that suggested it wanted to eat all your carrots. It wasn't the worst, to be fair, but, you know, it could have been so, so much yeah, better. You're right. It could have been a lot better. The image was designed by an artist who's nearly 100 years old. Now, that is impressive. His name is uh, Huang Yongyi. And he actually created two different designs to celebrate the year of the rabbit. The first, the one we're referring to, is titled The Rabbit Sending Blessings, which depicts a bright blue rabbit with piercing red eyes and human-like hands. And it's uh, this is the one that's received rafts of criticism online. And the second one is just three rabbits running in a circle. Which are less monstrous. Yeah. And it wouldn't be China without a bit of cosplay, as you might guess. Uh, on the launch day of the stamps, someone had the responsibility of dressing up in the blue rabbit, evil-eyed costume. And uh, I think these creepy clown pictures at children's birthday parties, uh, there, was, there was a hint of that there, too. Yeah, the creepiest rabbit costume is still the one from Donnie Darko, though. You know, the... The rabbit who tells you to do bad things. Yeah, that was film. creepy. Um, so yeah, the blue rabbit, a viral hit for all the wrong reasons. But a word on Mr. Huang, because he's had quite a prominent career in the art world. Uh, Huang has had a long and successful career as a contemporary artist and author. His work includes woodblock prints, inkwash paintings, sculpture, a bit of poetry, some novels... And two other Zodiac stamp designs in the past. Um, it's impressive because he never attended art school. Yes, he became a professor at the Central Academy of Fine Arts, which happens to be the leading art school in China, uh, all at the tender age of 28. So, yeah, right now he lives and he works in, in Beijing. He still works <laughs> despite his age. He's 100, yeah. Yeah, and 
His works are held at the Museum of Modern Art in New York and the Asian Art Museum in San Francisco. Yeah, so he's no mug. He, despite the criticism, the the blue rabbit, the blue rabbit stamp, it was it was a hit. It was an instant hit at the post offices, and they sold out and they sold out online on Taobao as well. And you asked you asked me about uh, collecting stamps at the start, and sometimes these sort of things can prove lucrative for collectors in 2017 when one of the 1980 year of the monkey stamps designed also by huang was sold at auction it was for a record two million yuan that's about three hundred thousand us dollars and the moral of the story is to keep your stamps close to your chest right Moving along, uh, one of the topics at last week's stand-up was the New Year holiday itself. Uh, one of the comedians said how she hates it because she's single and every time she returns to her hometown for the New Year, she's asked, yeah, you're, th- you're 31, why are you still single? Why aren't you married? Give me grandchildren. Mm-hmm. What do you mean you have no house? Not even a car. Your sister brought a boy with her this year and she's only 19. Yeah, um... And that's what we call the weight of expectancy in Chinese society. Um, her routine was a good one, though, um, and, and where all that sort of stuff led to. Yeah, very funny. Uh, she was great. Yeah. Uh, her father set her up with a couple of other singletons that he knows. Um, well, sons of friends that he knows. Single dogs, as they say here in China. And so she started chatting with them online and they ask. Oh, so what are your interests? And she's like, my interests? Well, I like girls. Yeah. And um, what do you mean by you like girls? I like having sex with girls. Yeah, straight to the point. Yeah, it was one of those things where she just didn't care about the need to rush into a relationship to please her parents. So she devised a, a cunning way to scare them off and said... Uh, one that would stump them so much that, you know, they'd never, ever bother her again. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, but it's true, the the pressure placed on young shoulders to go through all the formalities of life and go through them as young as possible is probably the, the dominant facet of society in China. Marriage is widely seen here as a mandatory part of adulthood. An estimated 200 million unmarried Chinese returned home for Spring Festival um, to the annual inquisition from the parents. 20 questions followed by a long lecture amongst the table full of dumplings, smoked pork and fish and other delicacies. And it has become such a predictable part of going home that various social media channels have created their very own cheat guides about how to get around the pushy Mm -hmm. parents. In many ways, young Chinese people are right not to submit to expectancy. The cost of living is rising in China, property prices too, as well as the extravagant cost of staging an elaborate wedding ceremony. Not to mention the cost of rearing children nowadays and enrollment fees for schools where there aren't 50 or 60 kids in a classroom. Far too many demands. Yeah, and the fight to get young Chinese married and making babies is moving from the home into the political arena as China begins to enter a long-term and perhaps irreversible population decline. A fortnight ago, Chinese authorities announced that the population shrank in 2022 for the first time in 60 years as deaths 
outstrip births. There was a loss of 850,000 people. And that had been on the cards for quite a while. Maybe that demographic arrived sooner than expected, as many have pointed to, careful, the big C, impacting on the decline in births last year. After all, 2022 was far tougher than 2021 in, in China. But aside from all that, the cost of rearing children has played a part. Many people who want children choose to have one, which is why the Chinese government yeah. reversed the long-standing one-child policy in favour of two, and now it's three. China has an ageing population and so a labour shortage is on the horizon. And in the world's manufacturing powerhouse, that's a serious problem. Exactly. To counter this, local governments have offered um, subsidies to families to have more than one child. However, this, in addition to other measures, have failed to acquire the desired response. Birth rates have fallen every year since 2018. It's really a matter of urgency for the government. Um, but the problem is you can't force people to have babies. Um, like, what are you going to do? You're going to remove contraception from every shop and chemists and supermarkets like all over the country? The latest effort to boost birth rates came out of Sichuan, where in a first for China, unmarried couples with children can now enjoy the same benefits previously only reserved for married couples. And, and that is a biggie. That is, that is a kind of a, that's important. It's progressive is what it is. Um, the updated registry system ensures maternity insurance to cover medical bills while now letting unmarried women keep their salary during maternity leave. It's a, a revamp of a 2019 rule that covers single who want, singles who want to legally have children. Unmarried parents in Sichuan, they don't need to worry about repercussions anymore. Um, and this that was quite serious because you wouldn't be able to enroll your kids in school if you didn't if you had more than one one child without paying a, a massive fee and stuff. Yeah, um, paid a fine. Yeah, and now and now you and that was for if you were married and had a had a child and didn't register it. Mm -hmm. um, but now your unmarried parents in Sichuan they don't have to worry. And what one region does. Um, it's likely that the follow-up is going to be a national rollout of the same law. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, but you know what? I can honestly see China opening its doors to more immigrants in the future, like especially yeah. from the neighboring countries around yeah. Southeast Asia. Um, but that will require a relaxation in visa requirements, of course, as as well as maybe more financial incentives for people to come here. Yeah. Um, you know, but they may not have any other choice. Uh, like, I think give it 10 years and I think we might see some interesting changes being made on that. Yeah, because uh, Chinese parents, they pressure their kids to study hard so that they can get the go to the best universities and get the best jobs. And there will be far, flu far fewer doing manual work. Um, because after all, the principal concern for Beijing here is a labor shortage. And it's unrealistic to expect families to have three children, one being a doctor, one being a scientist and the other one working in a factory. Um, just because that's what their country expects of him and her. In, in many ways, it's a lose lose situation. People who do get married are getting married much later as well. And divorce rates are skyrocketing too, in addition to 
to people getting married later. Um, it does seem that long-standing traditions are being phased out, a choice that's being made by the youth of modern China. With prosperity comes comes a change in culture. Yeah. It's happened before, it'll happen again. It will indeed. And besides many young women, they favour education and careers now over starting a family, um, which is much like our comedian friend the other night, um, not feeling ready to settle down with a member of the opposite sex. Uh, fine, easy, just tell him you're gay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there was a viral post on January 24th made by a young woman from uh, Gunha City in Inner Mongolia province, uh, which received an outpouring of online plaudits. In it, she chats with her mother and other older relatives on the subject of marriage. But the praise came in response to how admirably she coped with the situation. At one point, a female relative can be heard in the background saying, you know, how how it is best for you to stay here and take the civil service exam in Genha. Why do you want to leave? You should stay at home. It is normal for you to be a civil servant and get married in your hometown. Yeah, it's quite backward, that thinking. Isn't it? Um, yeah, so the young woman, and she's only in her mid-twenties, and she then likens that idea, what she's been told, to lying in a coffin. To which to return then is an urgency from the relative to settle down and have children. Yeah. Uh, She then asked what the benefit was of getting married uh, in that manner to essentially serve somebody else. Uh, There was a bit of back and forth as well uh, as the, the usual spiel of marriage being a traditional virtue for Chinese women. Before, finally, her mother jumped to her daughter's defense, highlighting a new area with, with new ideas. All right, so let's end on a note of optimism. Uh, it's been a, a long, hard slog in China with disruption and lockdowns due to the pandemic. But the Chinese New Year brought back the feel-good factor that had been largely absent for much of the last three years. I took a train for the first time in a year. Oh, you travelled to Guangdong yeah. and you spent New Year's in a town outside Chongqing City. Yeah. Uh, can you relate that experience? What was the general mood like where you went? Oh, yeah. Right. So where I went to in Guangdong, I literally uh, picked a spot on the map and I just said, all right, I want quiet. I want a beach and I, I don't want to be disturbed. And, yeah. and so that's what I got. I just went out into the to, to the coast I went to the most southern part of China um, not one mass did I see it was great um, was it quite rural then oh it was incredibly rural mm. you know but it wasn't the sort of place that you'd hang around for too long I you see know? yeah yeah. It was, it was nice to just go and chill out for a while and just you know put your feet up have a bit of self reflection have a bit of self reflection yeah um, but then yeah Tonglian, what a place, man. What a place. I'm 13 years in, in China next week, right? Next week I'll be 13 years in China. Okay. And in all my time here, I've never seen a, a dragon dance before last year. Okay, yeah, and, fantastic. And, and so I went up to this small ancient city that, that you ended up going to as well, and I saw water uh-huh. dragon dance. But this new year, there was a, a music festival on the street. And then after the music festival at the bottom of it was a, a fire dragon dance. And I don't know if you've ever seen this, but they they have a, a dragon with uh, fireworks coming out of the bottom of it. And 
these buckets of boiling hot oil, mm. um, like actual boiling oil. They poured it over your head, did they? You know, no, they, they <laughs> scoop it up in a little ball and they throw it in the air and then another guy hits it with a with a stick okay. and it makes this explosion wow. of sparks. Wow. Um, and so it just covers the entire air with, with like, it covers everything with fire. Um, as the boys are dancing around in the in the dragon, but yeah, that's so, really cool. That's that's a like a traditional thing for oh, New Year's, isn't it? I, I couldn't believe the, that, like, the dragon dance. Like I thought it would be everywhere, but it, it isn't everywhere. But it is in this place. Yeah, you know? on that actually, yeah. the um, it was great to see the fireworks return again to China for yeah. New Year's. Yeah, because like for a long time, last year especially, uh, they weren't allowed yeah. to have fireworks. So, like people were not allowed to gather in yeah. large groups. Well, well where you were with, where you were for Spring Festival, that's where I lived for 10 years, yeah, you know. Yeah. And every year we'd go down to the river and mm-hmm. we just let off fireworks. Yeah, they in in Wanzhou, also city in Chongqing, yeah, they put on a spectacular yeah. display. Yeah, it looked, uh, it looked like down, the, it looked down, like down, down by the Yangtze River, yeah. yeah. It fabulous, looked like they they, they they knew that people had just been locked up for a long time, mm-hmm. so they they put an extra bit of effort into it. Absolutely, yeah. An extra bit of um, yeah. yeah, the the smiles and the energy definitely drowned out all those doomsday voices that claimed China would come to a standstill after spring festival holidays. Plenty of those voices came from within China as well. You call them, you might call them pandemic addicts. So yeah, social media influencers who had nailed their colors to the big sea mast and predicted that millions would die if the CPC yeah. reopened the country. Um, and then there were the, the China watchers, like many who had never set foot in the country, who built a brand and a following by, by throwing, oh, if China does this and that, that's the people who were living through lockdowns. Now, those people have nothing to say for themselves anymore. Yeah. They've moved on to the next thing, probably. And the inevitable economic and societal disaster never materialized. No, it didn't. Um, now you you can you can look at that and 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 tell me economic reason X Y Z. Um, but sometimes, no matter what China does, people will always find a negative spin, and and that's a sad reality. But the public desire to kick on with things. And you have to remember, this is a country of 1.3 billion people. Um, and they really want to just get on with things. It was reflected in the figures for travel. There was an estimated 226 million domestic trips uh, made during the New Year holiday, according to a state media. And that's an increase of 74% on last year. And it's the highest since the pandemic started uh, three years ago. Um, tourist hotspots, they were jammed with people. The crowds, they were back in force here in downtown Chongqing. Um, there's a famous landmark called, uh, Hong Yadong, um, which is, yeah, Hong Yadong Cave. And it's spectacular when it's lit up at night, um, in the middle of like a structurally old part of the city. Um, it fits right into the cyberpunk vibe of Chongqing. And you'd, you'd recognize it if you ever came here. And that, it drew thousands of people every day during the holiday. Yeah, they close off the bridge again, the traffic. Um, so, you know, the tourists could cross the river and take their selfies and their photos of it all lit up at night. Uh, best way to see it actually is on the Line 6 train when you're coming across that bridge yeah. at night. Um, 
Yeah, you can only see Hong Yadong Cave from one angle, really, because it's built into a cliff yeah. right on the riverbed. So yeah. everyone has to kind of like congregate yeah. uh, in one place to see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, likewise, I saw a video. And, it, and, and, and the, the bridge is the only one to go across on the Jefong Bay for, for you know, probably seven or eight kilometers. So like to get into the center of Chongqing, they close that bridge for people. Yeah. It's good. It's crazy, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. It's like that's the main road. That's the main Chongqing road. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the October holiday of 2021. Yeah. I want to say, yeah. 2021. Um, I did the same actually because a couple of friends came here and we mm. met up downtown um, and crossed the, the bridge. They wanted yeah, to cross yeah. the bridge. So I was, I was with them. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was I was part of like that experience, you know. Yeah, yeah. People well, like people just go crazy for all the lights. Like really. I, like I've I, I've never I the only place I've ever been from I was on the line six and I went over across it and the train doesn't stop anymore. And it, like for about three or four hours they stopped the trains stopping yeah. in Jefan Bay. Yeah, they just kind of assume that you know Jefan Bay has about ten million people now mm-hmm. and that's what it's going to stay at. That's what we can deal with. Yeah, and then you just kind of close everything off. Yeah. Which is cool. That's right, really. Um, But likewise, I saw a video of tourists at the Terracotta Warriors in Xi'an. Yeah. Um, If you've ever been, like, they're mind-blowing. But in this instance, there were just far too many people on site to have any kind of comfort if you were there. Mm. Uh, Which is one of the drawbacks, I suppose, of traveling in China, being the crowds. Sometimes it's better to avoid peak season, but I like having the option now. And I think that's more important. Yeah, and and more power to the people. I'm expecting a a very busy year for tourism as we approach the back end of 2023. Uh, it's likely that travel numbers will just be completely normal again. We'll have five days in May for Labor Day, and then we have the summer, and then the biggest national week in October. Yeah, yeah I reckon China is going to see a very swift recovery, which will only benefit the economy like in a big way yeah um yeah so before we finish which is more politically correct to say lunar new year or chinese new year well, it's the same thing isn't it pretty much or at least that's what you would have thought but there was something of an online debate over which is the correct term mm. i think more to the point some people in china were pissed off because western media were calling it lunar new year instead of chinese new year and yeah, probably trying to play the anti-China rhetoric card. But personally, I understand that to, to call it Lunar New Year is to include every other country in Asia that celebrates the Spring Festival. And I don't see a problem with that. Um, even the term Spring Festival had its critics. Like, you can't win sometimes. Yeah, well, the, the New Year celebrations, they differ in certain countries. Everyone has their own tradition uh, or related activities. Or whatever, you know. But 2023 is the year of the cat in Vietnam. The cat doesn't appear in the Chinese lunar calendar. And you explained why last year, you explained why last year when you did the podcast on the Chinese zodiac. And all in all, I think it's simply a case of outrage culture. I agree. Yeah. Check out that episode if you want to learn more. Uh, I recorded it around this time last year. Mm-hmm. It's called Cats Big and Small. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, last year was the year of the tiger, hence the title. 
Yeah, go back and listen to all our other stuff if you're new here. And oh, 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 wait! There is a video that you guys should watch. It's like a little, little, little viral video. So there was a news station. It was down in. It was down somewhere in the south of China. Um, but you'll you'll get it. So for the New Year celebration, they had a cat, or sorry, they had a rabbit and a tiger. And they were going to say, oh, we're, we're out with the tiger and in with the, the rabbit. But the, of course, yeah. the tiger saw a rabbit and it attacked oh, it. I saw that, yeah. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> they didn't really think that one through. No, <laughs> not in the slightest. Uh. Not in the slightest. Yeah. Uh, would have been cute if it worked. It would have been, yeah. Yeah. Uh. Very slim chance of that ever happening. <laughs> yeah, so... Go back and listen to all our other stuff if you're new here and you haven't already. Give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Twitter too. Our handle is at the China Podcast. So just type that into the search box if you have an account there. Um, yeah, we've got some positive feedback recently, which is always nice to hear. Yeah, um, it keeps us motivated. If you live in Chongqing, come check out the comedy. Um, if you live anywhere in China, go check out the comedy. Um, we're back in the Nuts venue this coming Sunday, the 5th of February. And as we alluded to earlier, the comedy club goes from strength to strength. So uh, it's worth your time. As ever, thanks for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this one and took something from it. That's what we try to do. We'll talk to you next time. Yeah. Toodles. <laughs> Chizzy